sequence of returns risk when you're taking distributions enhances investment volatility in a way that you're not used to pre-retirement. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and that was Dr. Wade Fow, Professor of Retirement Income with the American College of Financial Services. Fow's low-key academic style belies his groundbreaking research in the area of retirement income, making him a leading voice in what can be a complicated yet critically important issue for most Americans. We ask him about common retirement income mistakes that can kill a portfolio the pitfalls of raising the RMD age to 75, and what's wrong with the 401k, or at least what it can do better. Wade joins us right after these messages. Retirement is changing. So is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA. Your most recent research focuses on an individual's retirement income style, which I found fascinating. What exactly do you mean by that, and what does a style consist of? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's been an important question in retirement income for a long time. I've been talking for years about how there's these different outlooks for retirement, and I call them probability-based and safety-first. And it's just completely different ways of looking at the world. So this research uh, that we're doing, it really starts from this basis that there's multiple viable approaches for retirement income. And the way we approach that, we've looked at different factors and we found six important factors that help to explain someone's preferences for retirement income. Two of these were main factors and then four were more secondary but helped to support that ultimately what we're finding is there are four basic styles for retirement income that match quite well to the four main types of existing strategies we see out there so that we now have some empirical validation that these are real strategies and and some people will prefer different approaches, but also to then further help people determine what is the right approach for me. And it's, do I want that sort of total return investment strategy approach where I rely on market returns and the stock market to help support my retirement income? Am I more of an income protection type of person? Do I want to build a floor with annuities and, and that sort of thing, reliable income? And then invest more aggressively for discretionary types of expenses. Do I want to use a time segmentation strategy where I use bonds or other types of fixed income assets for the short term? and then a growth portfolio for the long term? Or do I want more of a risk wrap strategy where I use some sort of a deferred annuity with a a lifetime income benefit to help support my retirement spending so I can focus on growth, but also commit to a strategy and and seek some of the power of risk pooling as well? And and so, yeah, the retirement income style awareness is about determining which of these four approaches is appropriate for me. It might be something really valuable for participants in a 401k plan who may not have thought much about these issues. Loaded question here, and I know it, but uh, have you found one works better than another? Uh, No, I mean, that's our premise and starting point. And when we talk about this, uh, the main criticism will be someone advocating that there is one superior approach, that everyone should use a total return investment portfolio or Everyone should use a safety-first approach with with annuities. Now, I personally lean more towards one of the four strategies. I'm more of a risk wrap person myself. 
But ultimately, I, I do think that any of the approaches are viable, and it depends on someone's preferences about what's best for them. So I don't think there is just one universal best way to approach a retirement income strategy. Understood. So what common uh, retirement mistakes do you see from retirees and their advisors that drive you absolutely insane? I mean, what pitfalls have you been pointed to for years, but to no avail? Well, I'd say there, there's a lot of things in that area. One of the first ones is what is being assumed in financial planning software about future market returns. So often, if you run a financial plan that reports a probability of success for how likely your plan is to work, it's based on historical average market returns. So you might be assuming 5 or 6% returns from bonds in the future, when mathematically that's really impossible at this point when interest rates are so low. And so that can really distort the outcomes and give you a much higher probability for success than is warranted when in interest rates are lower. And related to that point, there's the other issues like with social security. A lot of advisors think you should claim at 62 and invest your social security benefits in the stock market. And that'll earn you a higher return than if you get the delay credits from delaying social security at a later age. And while that kind of approach is not impossible, I think it's much harder than is commonly appreciated. And it really doesn't match up the risk characteristics that Social Security is an inflation-adjusted lifetime income, government-backed, government-supported. It doesn't have the same level of risk as a stock market investment. And so I think that's another area. It's just people need to be realistic about retirement. They need to understand the retirement risks are different. Sequence of returns risks when you're taking distributions enhances investment volatility in a way that you're not used to pre-retirement. And you, you really have to approach it differently. And so just a lot of these kind of pet peeves I have are related to extrapolating what you do pre-retirement and assuming it's the same post-retirement. So it's an optimism bias almost? You could think of it that way. It's You have a longer... <laughs> There's this idea of stocks for the long run, that if you invest in the stock market, it will outperform bonds. And generally, that could be true. But it's just in the pre-retirement phase, you have more opportunity to benefit from that than you do in the post-retirement phase. So yeah, you could become overly optimistic in that regard when you get to retirement. Understood. Wade, what's wrong with a 401k? And what can and should it do better? Well, uh, I think the 401k ha has a lot of things going for it. it. When you don't know a lot about the individual's financial circumstances, there's only so much you can do. So with the default investment options available, like target date funds and so forth, I think that's a reasonable starting point. Of course, if you knew an individual's full financial picture, you could do better than that. But, but as a starting point, based on what you know, I think that that's a, a great approach. And then so when we talk about these retirement income styles, traditionally, the 401k plan is really most suited for the total return approach. It didn't really have a way to very easily implement time segmentation or any strategies that involve annuities. But now with the SECURE Act and, and the opening up of more possibilities to incorporate these other types of financial tools into the 401k plan and as well, that opens up the ability to appeal to more of the retirement income styles that are out there. So I think that's a great improvement and hope to see more growth in that area as well. Great. So I have trouble keeping up with the so-called safe withdrawal rate debate. Um, have we moved on from 4% and Bill Bengen's 4% at this point? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great question. And 
Uh, it's an area that I have done a lot of research and, and talked about quite a bit, still get quoted in the media quite a bit about it. I feel like I've moved on a little bit from it, but it's it's definitely a hot topic. And, and recently, even Bill Bengen's been in the news talking about he now views it as a 5% rule instead of a 4% rule because of the low inflation environment. That counters what, what I'm most concerned about is how low interest rates create a hurdle that the 4% rule never experienced. So I'm usually quoted at numbers more like a 2.8% range for the, the equivalent of the 4% rule. But at the end of the day, there's a ton of assumptions that go into the 4% rule. And if any of those assumptions aren't right for the person, then the 4% rule's not the right starting point for that person. So, I mean, some of these assumptions, like how long do you want your money to last in retirement? Uh, what kind of risk of depleting your investment portfolio do you view as acceptable? What asset allocation are you going to use? What are your assumptions about future market returns? Do you anticipate that your spending will keep pace with inflation or might it decline over time? And then real world retirees, they have a lumpiness to their spending. They're not always going to want to take the same amount from their portfolio every year. And that just throws the whole 4% rule type of assumption off base. Like if you're delaying social security benefits, you want more early on, but less later on. And the 4% rule doesn't really work with that kind of an assumption. Are, is there flexibility? Can you adjust your distributions based on how your portfolio is performing? Do you have other types of buffer assets to coordinate with your portfolio spending? The, the 4% rule assumes you're willing to spend your assets down to zero. And do you want to preserve something either as a safety margin or, or for a legacy? How important are these portfolio distributions to your overall plan? Uh, without knowing answers to all these questions, it's really hard to just pick a withdrawal rate. And so, like I said, the 4% rule is based on a certain answer to all those types of questions that may or may not be appropriate for any individual. And that suggests really going beyond the 4% rule to get a better estimate about feasible and sustainable spending for anyone. A lumpiness to their withdrawals. I like that. I think we have our lead there. So wonderful. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, Christine Benz and your colleague, Michael Finca, uh, recently expressed a somewhat contrarian view about the potential for the SECURE Act 2.0 to raise the RMD age to 75. They seem to criticize it. Do you share their view? Uh, well, I don't have real strong opinions about it. I, I do recognize that delaying the RMD age is generally going to serve as a, a tax cut for wealthier individuals. And right now, with everything pointing towards <laughs> trying to raise taxes on wealthier individuals, it, it does seem a little counterintuitive that it's being discussed. But at the end of the day, when I look at building effective retirement income strategies and, and the tax planning associated with that, uh, before social security benefits start, you have the opportunity to be doing things like Roth conversions and getting money out of your 401ks or well, probably rollovers to IRAs at that point. And then, and of course, everyone has different circumstances. But in a lot of the cases where I'm looking at people have a lot of tax deferred assets, they have a particular spending goal they're trying to meet by doing strategic tax planning before social security starts. They don't have enough left in their 401k IRA accounts by the time they get to RMD ages that it's ever going to be binding. What I mean is to meet their overall spending goals, they'll be taking more out than the required minimum distributions anyway. And so the required minimum distributions don't matter at that point. So it's kind of a, a mute issue. And for who the required minimum distributions are binding, 
that's probably people who've got so much assets beyond what they need for retirement that they're really thinking about the account as more for legacy. And so the required minimum distributions are just forcing them to take from that account earlier to pay taxes on it. And whether they spend it themselves or preserve it for a legacy, and then now with the SECURE Act having that 10-year window for their heirs to take it out, it's just I, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference just raising the RMDH. So I'm not clearly in support of changing it. I just, at the end of the day, don't see it having a real big impact overall. If, if they want to do something interesting in that regard, I think allowing for Social Security to be delayed and to give additional delay credits to whatever age RMDs begin. It used to be pretty close because Social Security through age 70, RMDs start at 70 and a half. Now RMDs at 72. How about just providing additional delay credits for Social Security until RMDs begin? I think that that could be a more interesting answer than just simply raising the, the RMD age. That's fascinating. Has that been raised at all formally? Uh, not really that I've heard, but it, it's... Because still, claiming Social Security later than full retirement age is somewhat rare, although it's becoming more popular. And I think more and more people are recognizing the value of delaying Social Security. We've certainly seen huge impacts. The the percentage of the population that claims as soon as they can at 62 used to be about half of the population. And that's declined dramatically since about 2010 or so. So I, I think there could be growing interest in something like this, but it's not something I've heard much discussion about. Understood. So what are you working on now? What's uh, fascinating you, Wade, currently? I, I'm finishing up writing a book that's trying to really look at all the different aspects of a retirement income plan. Uh, I've been filling in holes, so I've done more with like tax-efficient distributions in retirement and, and some of these other issues I hadn't looked at a whole lot before. And also that retirement income style awareness research is going to be something I'll be looking into a lot more in the coming months. When can we expect the book? Um, right around Labor Day is the plan right now. I'm almost done with the draft. And then it's just a matter of copy editing and uh, layout and all that sort of thing. But I think Labor Day is pretty realistic. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, wonderful. Looking forward to it. Wade, that's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Retirement is changing. So is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA.